This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You might assume we're both good at presenting to a live audience because of this podcast. But at the end of the day, when we record, it really feels like we're just talking to one another. Presenting information in person in a formal setting to a large audience is something that still makes us really nervous. To prepare for a live speaking event we're hosting together, we turn to our masterclass subscription to not only refine our presentation skills, but to build our confidence in a different kind of public speaking capacity. Between Robin Roberts, Hillary Clinton, and Kevin Hart's expertise, our confidence skyrocketed. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass helps you actually do it. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master negotiate with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or plan your dream wedding with celebrity event planner Mindy Wise, Masterclass has you covered. There are over 200 classes to pick from with new classes added every month, like our latest aha moments from Robin Roberts' effective and authentic communication class that we watched before our event presentation. She taught us how to establish a genuine connection with the audience from the start. I'll always be a little nervous before presenting, but Masterclass prepared us in a way that dialed my nerves down and gave me tools to ground myself. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Get 50% off right now at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists and owners of the therapy group. We're on a mission to make therapy and therapeutic topics more relatable and accessible. So stay tuned because in order to grow yourself, you gotta know yourself. Hey, Jen. Hey, Em. How are you today? You know, I'm doing well, actually. Yeah. I don't know why. Maybe maybe because I shower. It makes a big difference when you shower. Washing washing your hair, especially. Like there's (laughs) something about having clean hair. (laughs) This is not. Do you know what I mean? But do you know when your hair is not washed for a long time and it just affects your whole mood? Does that not happen to you? Is that just me? currently for a, I, I mean i used to go like seven days without washing my hair right. but now that my hair is like so short um mm. i wash it a lot more but i feel like i your hair does look amazing today let me say thank that you. really fast thank you so much just really quick wow looking good thank you. <laughs> changes your whole mood i'm telling you i know, know? Really it does. is. Well, you know what? It's such a we talk so much about loving yourself the way you are or even body neutrality. But you know what? Some, sometimes when you feel good about what you're wearing or how you're looking or different stuff, like it helps, right? Like, it does. And, and that has nothing to do with changing your body. That has to do with sometimes you wash your hair, sometimes you put on an outfit, sometimes that kind of shit hurts. Cause it's been a weird week. Weather's weird. There's a lot of things it's, happening. There's a lot, a of, lot of things happening. A lot happening. of sinkholes happening around us right now. My neighbor Where are the sinkholes? Cut, dude, there's like three huge sinkholes in King of Prussia right now. How big? I, know. I, I don't know. I'm dramatic. I, I mean, like, <laughs> it's probably I'm, like a pothole. It's like three potholes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just going down a regular street in Philadelphia. 
<laughs> right. Like that's literally Philly in general. It's, yeah. Okay. It's the same. So I'm like, I'm well, in sure the what, suburbs. In the suburbs, it's a big deal. It's a huge deal out here for the, the only, roads to not be taken the, care of. The only way to get somewhere in Philly is to drive through multiple sinkholes. <laughs> And just hope you get out alive. Okay. Exactly. We have an intro for today. We also, you guys are giving us the best intros. Thank you so much. Keep sending them in. Please, they're so good. Okay. So this one's from Lauren. It's biggest pet peeve or ick. The ick is just like when you get like turned off by something, right? Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Should I Google that really fast? Yeah, Google. Do a quick Google. We because we're too old to know what ick means. What? <laughs> okay, the, the first. <laughs> okay, wait. The, the ick is a gut reaction turn off to something someone does. So I was right. It's a turn off. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. Good job. Okay. You are um, so gentle. Or Heather Heather DeBrow just told us she calls it. What did Heather tell a us she calls flag. it? A flag. No, no, no. That's not what she was talking about. That's oh. an entirely different thing. What she called. <laughs> she I don't know. She told us that it was um a hate click. Like oh. it clicks that you hate someone. She calls it a hate oh, click. She said, Oh, yeah, yeah, that's good. I See, know. we need, we need, our like, friend Heather. We need like millennial interpretations of things. We should, yeah, we that's should what create she like, an, that's what she we should create first. like an urban dictionary. <laughs> I know. Okay. okay. So what's your, what's your, what's your pet peeve? What's your, ex? okay. One of my biggest pet peeves. You know what? Um, for some reason, I'm thinking about like when I was dating more. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. And like, yeah. And when I would like go out and someone was just like bragging about themselves and underneath it, it's so clear how deeply insecure they are. Okay. (laughs) That was the biggest turnoff. So much so that I would work hard at the time on tearing them down. (laughs) Oh, fuck. (laughs) That sounds kind of fucked up. No. I don't know. I just, it's really <laughs> important to me <laughs> that someone is very authentic, authentically and that they themselves. Down. <laughs> I don't know about tearing them down. Maybe open them up <laughs> to get down to their deep insecurities that they're Those hiding. Those are two very different things, my love. <laughs> I mean, me for me, tearing you know someone I like to do down. Is I like to fucking destroy them. <laughs> What a shame me, them. For me, tearing someone down was probably like a nice tear down. <laughs> you know? Kind of like when I send a text message and I'm like, was this mean? <laughs> <laughs> Part of owning a business is like sometimes you have to like send like shitty texts, right? Like, hey, you left this thing. You know, watch out if you do this thing again. Where any of this. Jen will always, every time she has to do a text, you'll be like, does this sound mean? And I'm like, it's like the nicest thing I've ever read, bro. Like, like what are you talking about? So me tearing someone <laughs> down was probably just giving them therapy at a bar. <laughs> Jen, okay, so Jen runs uh, payroll for the company every week. I do not. Um, General's payroll for the company every week. And it's a lot of work. She like goes through the timesheet. She does all the back end stuff. Like it's this entire process. And like like 50% of the times there's an an issue with someone's timesheet. It's confusing. We get it. Actually, so Jen, 100%, 100% of the time. Well, I, I meant 50% of the people. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> every week there's an issue. Not like 50% of the people there's an issue with. Okay. So Jen has to do a lot of these text messages. Hey, I noticed this discrepancy, blah, blah, blah. And Jen's t- text are like, Hi, hon. Hope you had a great weekend. Yes. Oh, and and they all respond like this. I'll be like, hi, how are you? I hope you had a great weekend. And they'll text me back and say, oh, no. <laughs> 
I said, I should really just start randomly texting people saying, yeah. hi, how are you? I hope you had a great weekend. And they'll they don't out. just assume. Oh, right? oh, or, and at so, this point, so, it's a Pavlovian response. Exactly. They just say, oh, no, what did I do? <laughs> I say, I try to start it really nicely so it's not anxiety provoking. But and, what are you going to do? We're going to go into and then the example will go to this. We're going to pull this back around is. You could end up feeling resentment, but you don't. And we'll go into why. Yes. Um, and we'll go into why. However, you have to tell me your biggest pet peeve, Rick. I know. I'm like really having a hard time. Is that why though? you tried to you tried yes. to make the transition and because, I just put like, it back on? <laughs> what is mine? Here's, I mean, lack of self. I mean, I think for both of us, it's lack of self-awareness, right? So like, I... We talked about this yesterday. Specifically for people who talk a ton about... Uh, money or privilege without awareness of who they're around and what they're talking about. That's like a very big pet peeve of mine. That gives me the ick. And I would just say like, the, like probably like just like 90% of men. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Give me the ick. <laughs> that's, that's uh, you know, that's for another episode. My, my husband I does not. <laughs> Everyone else. He skirted by. <laughs> yes really skirted by My, yeah but everyone else i'm like eh, i don't know and if you're a man listening to this episode sorry don't i, I would say they don't give you the ick no still still i don't actually they're know work, you they're working no, on their self-awareness so true. i guess i'll say is 90 um 99 of men that are not working towards growth straight men that would be a problem for me i Love an enlightened man. Love, Love an enlightened man. Yes. Every time I'm with a group of men and they're talking about things, I'm just like infusing therapeutic knowledge. ideals and knowledge. Yeah. What, on what them. do you What do you call it? Oh, sneaky therapy. This sneaky is your therapy. This is your I'm entire bu- theory. I'm, I'm building a theory. Sneaky therapy. Yeah. Please do not steal it. <laughs> It would be very sneaky of you. Think if you did. It would be sneaky. Very Definitely meta. don't sell it to this podcast. The thousands and thousands of people listen to and say, "Don't steal this idea." I've coined it. <laughs> it's okay. I have a whole system that I'm going to write a book about. It's called Sneaky Therapy. Okay. And basically, you just bring up therapy all the time, though. Yes, it's not that <laughs> sneaky. <laughs> yes, but here's my transition. You ready? Sneaky yeah. therapy will keep you from building resentment in your relationships. Maybe. Probably not. What? Okay, start it from the top, my love. What is resentment? Resentment is a complex and powerful emotion, and it arises from a perceived sense of unfairness, mistreatment, or unmet expectations in a relationship. And it often builds gradually over time. And there are a few ways of how resentment can show up in our relationships. One of them is unbalanced contribution, with which we've talked about a lot, right? Where the mental load or like taking on a lot in the household. Lack of appreciation is another one. Unresolved conflicts is a huge one, right? The conflict that keeps happening that you never get to the bottom of. That's something that couples therapy can be very helpful with. Uh, broken promises or unmet expectations. Right. So that can also be, you know, we had a whole episode about unmet expectations and we talk about like what are realistic expectations versus like what are maybe unrealistic expectations that are coming from um, your perceived sense of like what a relationship should look like. And 
so that might lead into resentment in these unmet expectations. Um, another one is power imbalances, where like one partner consistently exerts control or dominance over the other one. That can also breed resentment. So these are just a few ways that resentment can rear its ugly head in your relationships. And so the problem is with resentment is that if we don't address it and we don't tackle it, it will just build and build and build. And one of the best ways to start to tackle resentment is to be able to name it and identify it. Yes. And I think that's one of the things is like we have to be able to identify our emotions and what we're feeling to be able to communicate them. And to now have, right, they're saying if you can name it, you can tame it. Oof, I love so that thing. Ability... I'm going to get that tattooed on my body. It's actually a really good tattoo. I know. And you should do it like right. Yes. Yes. Okay. Should be like a lion and like the shape of a lion. <laughs> a lion? Stupid. I took it to it. I took it to another level. Keep going. I'm sorry I interrupted you. <laughs> okay. So if you name it, you oh, because of the tame? Yes. I did not figure that out. I was wow. like, why the fuck a lion? Yeah. Now I understand. The lion. Yeah. Okay, I understand it more now. Oh my god, yeah, okay, like god. I love lion. <sighs> okay, so <laughs> so if you can name it, you can say it. So how do I start to feel resentment, right? Where do I feel it in my body? Everyone's is going to be different. Some people, this is when we feel the tightness of the chest, the sweating of the palms, the feeling of like, I need to run and get away from you, the feeling of I need to, I'm going to come towards you and freak out. Here's another one. If I am talking to everyone else about you and not to you, you might be feeling resentment. Yes. This often happens in friend groups, too, yes. Ooh, right? Yes. Where friends start to get together and talk about another person as opposed to go directly to the person to have the conversation with them. Mm -hmm. That's where resentment can build and build and build. And talking about it to other people can help to build that resentment on top of it, right? Because now I know what you did to this person and now I know how this person did. It's like all of the emotions are combined into one. So that can also breed resentment. So we're talking about romantic relationships. We're also talking about family relationships. We're also yeah, talking about any friendships. System. Any system. Yeah. I am thrilled that the weather is finally warming up here in Philly. I went to switch out my closet the other day from my fall winter wear to my spring summer wear and noticed that I very much needed a refresh. So thank goodness for Quince that allows me to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I refresh my closet with the high-waisted linen shorts that come in multiple colors and patterns, the comfiest cotton tees, and my latest favorite, the smocked mini dress. And don't miss out on their accessories. Quince has the coolest sunglasses and 14 karat gold jewelry to complete any look. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, making me feel even better about my purchases. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash shrinkchicks. 
A really fun fact about me that you might not know is that if I let my hair dry natural, it is a frizzball mess, which is one of the many reasons I absolutely love pros. I truly never thought that I would be able to embrace my natural hair texture. Ever since I switched to a custom hair routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Less frizzy hair, yes, but beyond that too. My hair is shinier, healthier, and so much more manageable. Filming the podcast every week makes checking out my hair unavoidable, and I have felt so much more confident on camera thanks to pros. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do. The custom shampoo and conditioner combo, plus the hydrating leave-in conditioner and hair oil keeps the frizz at bay. It also makes for the smoothest blowout. People keep asking me if I got my hair cut or went to the salon, which is of course the highest compliment. Pros isn't just better for you, it's better for the planet. They're certified B Corp cruelty free and the first and only carbon neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. I used this feature when I moved to my temporary house in New Jersey, back to my house house post construction project in Pennsylvania. Environmental factors like water source is something that Pros takes into consideration with their customization. So it was very cool that I had the ability to update my location. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin, and they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. So you get a free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash shrinkchicks. And so let's say you start to feel this thing in your body and you're like, oh my God, like, oh, I think I am like really resenting this person. And a lot of times if we resent someone and this can actually depend, we don't talk a ton about attachment styles on here, but this can go with attachment styles. If I have a high level of resentment, I'm avoidantly attached. I might feel like I want to run away from this person. They feel um, very suffocating to me. Or if I'm anxiously attached and I'm resenting someone, even if I'm like feeling feelings of resentment and anger, it might feel like I want to be even closer to them and get their approval and concerns. So like the way that you respond to resentment is going to, you know, have some other things to do with you. But the ability to label this and identify the feeling is going to be the most helpful part to move forward and to let go of resentment. Because resentment is although it provides us with helpful information, it is not a helpful emotion towards growth. And long-term resentment can feel very much um, a replaying out of a very victim mindset. Nothing ever works out for me, everyone else, blah, 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 you know. Yes. I also think resentment can also touch on grudges, right? How much we hold grudges, how much we were taught to hold grudges within Mm -hmm. our family system. Um, And being able to let things go. You know the term, what's the term? (laughs) 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 What is it? Something that I'm really, you know, I really shouldn't even try to do sayings. Yeah, it's a quote. It's gone. What's it about? Wait, like grudges? holding, holding. Oh, what you're like, uh, like holding on to anger is drinking poison, hoping someone there, else is going to die. There it is. There it is. Thank you. You're so good, Buddha. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, uh, you know, how much were you taught that holding grudges is like important in your family? Like, if you have a family system in which like people haven't talked to each other in years and there's a lot of cutoff. 
then holding grudges and holding on to things might be something that feels really natural and comes really naturally for you. And so when people say pick your battles, right, or like decide what you want to hold on to, that's another piece of it. And I'm not saying let go of everything that's important to you. Don't acknowledge anything in the relationship. You have to let go of everything. But if you find that you're holding on to resentment with every little thing, then I think that that would be another thing to look at is like, how much is this also present in my family system and growing up? What does this look like? And resentment kills intimacy physically and emotionally. If I feel tons of resentment towards you, I don't feel safe emotionally and I definitely don't want to be physically intimate with you. So keep that in mind for marriages. Okay, we have a ton of questions. You want to, what, do you have something else? Before I was just going to apologize. I, I just, I, you know, I'm sorry I take it so personal, but I was going to ask you, how do you <laughs> notice when you're building resentment in your relationships? Oh, mine is get away from me. I don't want to be near you. I want to run as much as possible. And I like pull away. Yeah. I think for me in my marriage here, I guess it plays out. I find myself when I am feeling a ton of resentment in a relationship, I find myself being highly critical of the person. Mm. So if I'm feeling resentful towards my partner, I'm doing so my husband travels. My husband works now. He was a stay at home dad. It's the best experience of my life. I would pay a million dollars for him to be a stay at home dad again. He said it's the hardest thing he's ever done. He will never do this again. But <laughs> so now he works. And part of his work is that he travels a significant amount now. I, by the end of the week, feel a very exhausted mm. and if we come home when i feel like there is not a fairness or if there's not space for me to take a break or we rush into something as soon as he gets home visitors you know hosting anything like that what i feel myself doing is becoming highly critical of him so i'll be like i i start to really like keep score like well, I did the dishes five times this week and you didn't do them. So I start doing all of this stuff that actually furthers intimacy because I'm mad and I don't want him to be close. And so being highly critical or keeping score actually keeps massive distance in my marriage. Mm. And as opposed to me saying, this week was very, very hard without you and I'm very tired. And here is what I need, A, B, and C. Because instead, I don't say, I would not say any of those things. And then I would just be pissed off that I didn't get them. Yes. And why did he not, as soon as he got home, take Millie and I get a, you know what I mean? Like there's like all yes. this stuff of I think should happen. Right. But it's not helpful to have those thoughts. How do you feel it? Yeah. Like, so I will feel it. I start to feel anxious internally. Okay. Which I think makes more sense given our personalities, right? Where <laughs> where I start and I'm starting to feel anxious. Like I start to feel like a tightness and I... I start to ruminate about other things, right? So I think if you're listening to this and you're someone who's maybe more introverted or it takes you, you process a lot of things internally, then it might build up more internally, right? Whereas if you're extroverted, you might be reacting more. It might come out mm -hmm. more as a reaction. For me, I start to build things up and it's more common for me to have to push myself to say, say like, I have to say something about this. I have to express myself. And if I don't, then the anxiety is going to build up for me. Yeah, so yeah. these are like very distinct ways that resentment can build up for you differently, you know, depending on your personality and the way in which you process things. Mm -hmm. So I am one who is used to taking up like less 
space in the relationship. Whereas my husband, like if he's going through something, he just talks. He says it out loud. You know, he says everything, which and that's what I love about him. And that's what I love about you. And so, <laughs> which I love because you always you always know what's going on for someone. Right. You can always. But yeah. So the other if, side of that is that you have unbridled self-expression and you completely overwhelm your partner because you don't shut the fuck up. Right. And so as the person who maybe is more introverted or holds things, you have to push yourself to be able to take up more space in the relationship. Because if you don't, the resentment will build and build and build and will also create a distance. And it will also create a distance in your intimacy. Yeah. And so it's, I think so often when you're holding it in, it's easier to be like, well, I'll just swallow this and I'll just deal with this myself, you know, which can come from childhood trauma of I've always dealt with this myself. Mm-hmm. But if you're not creating space for yourself in the relationship, you're not expressing yourself, you're taking yourself out of the equation. You're not putting yourself into the relationship and you start a conflict internally, right? You're fighting with yourself as opposed to how do I bring this into the relationship so we can actually have a productive conversation so we should we can actually have intimacy. Mm-hmm. So let's mm-hmm. get into questions. Okay. Let's start with number one because I think this okay. is a big one for me. How to help with the feeling that your needs are too much and it's just easier to stew in the resentment than ask for what you want and need. Here's the thing. It might be easier to sit in it, but it's not sustainable. And so even if it feels easier now, long term, it isn't easier. You're telling yourself that it's easier because there's so much discomfort in confronting. So the thing is, is it just feels easier to avoid. And so the question is, why is it that your needs are so worth avoiding? Why is that relational issue better to avoid than for you to actually get needs met? Who told you that your needs were too much? Who told you that you were too much mm-hmm. growing up? Because this might stem from some deeper wounds yes. to tackle. And if it feels like you could only get your needs, right? So I wonder if for some of us, our needs are too much for one partner. For some of us, we think that our partner or a friend or boss or whatever, the other person in the system we're talking about or people, um, that they're supposed to service our needs, right? I'm really anxious. I have to call my friends so they can talk me down. So part of this is, if I feel like my needs are too much, one, let's have a reality check. How much am I depending on external sources? Am I providing my needs for myself? Here's a really great um, example of this. My couples therapist is the scariest woman I've ever met. <laughs> I'm in love with this woman. I want to marry her, but I am very scared of her. Okay, so we have this interaction. This is probably a year ago. And I am saying how I feel like I don't have space in my house. I am feeling overwhelmed. And I'm like sobbing. I was like, I feel like I'm going to die if I don't have a space. And she was like, wait a second. She was like, first of all, take a minute. Calm, you're crying. She was like, you make money. There's a room in this house that can be cleaned out. Why don't, like... At this point, it's your fault. You don't have an office. She said, I think you're being a victim. And I was. I was sitting here saying, oh, well, because Aaron's not jumping to do it or he's not helping or he's not. And she was like, you want to make an office, order the stuff online, clean out the room, make it work and let him know later. Like you you did. And look at my beautiful office now. Because in this one session, she said to me, you're acting like a victim. Right. And I was. And so the thing is, I was sitting here resenting him so much 
But the person who actually was able to meet that need was me. But the issue is I kept asking permission. And a lot of times in our relationships, we feel so, especially if we grew up feeling like our needs were too much, we need, we're looking for someone else to co-sign to say that it's okay. And then if they don't do that because they're focusing on their own stuff or they don't even know what we're talking about or they have no idea about all the stuff going on side for us, they're like, you know, he's like, let me put some more seed on the grass. Like, this guy doesn't <laughs> care. Um, I'm sitting there saying, oh, he's not helping. He's not helping me or he's not making it OK. But that was me asking permission. So is right. there a chance in your relationships you're waiting on other people for you to take action? Whoa. Does resentment get solved by expressing your needs or is it more internal? I think it depends. Yes. Yeah. Right. That's a hard one. Yes. Yes. It's a hard one because it depends on the situation. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you have to decide where your specific resentment is coming from. Are you someone who doesn't typically express your needs? And, you know, is that important to you? And because you're not expressing your needs, are you not getting those needs met? Or is it similar to what Emily was just saying? Is that like, are there needs that you can meet for yourself? Yeah. Um, So it's a balance and it really depends on the person. So I would ask yourself, where's this resentment coming from for me? Yeah. So in that example I just used, it was a mindset shift I had to make for an internal change. And another one might look something like, okay, um, sometimes like I, I'm like the scheduler for uh, my daughter's play dates, right? So like all, like last weekend, I had her out all day. We had a play date at like the freaking trampoline park. We went to blah, blah, blah. Um, my husband is very different. He doesn't like typically like make play dates or do that kind of stuff. Like if he, if I'm taking the day off, he usually has her around the house. And I had to say to him, I felt myself being very resentful about this. I'm never alone in the house by myself. Like I would like to just like be at home to hang out, like even to clean out a drawer or something, you know? And also if she's here, she like kind of knows that I'm here too, whatever. And so, but he didn't know that. He didn't know I was feeling that way. So by expressing that and saying, hey, on the weekends, the days where I'm taking a little break, could you go to the library? Could you go to see? He's like, yeah, of course. And so it's it's a different thing about like where could action take place and who's responsible for that action? Is it something that I can do first? I check in with me first. And if not, then I express. I also think the thing that really matters too is the way in which you express yourself, right? Sometimes with resentment, It has built up for so long that the way in which it is finally expressed is through anger or it's it's met with extreme emotional reactivity. And so what happens is that when that resentment builds and we get to the point where we're like, okay, I'm finally going to express my needs or it comes out in emotional reactivity and you don't get the response to your needs that you needed at the time because of the emotional reactivity, you get sucked right back inside yourself and say, well, I'm never, I'm never expressing that again. When in reality, it's important that you really take time to say, how do I want to express this, right? How do I want to say like, hey, I need some time to myself. I'm realizing that I'm building some resentment because I am not getting I'm not getting this time for myself. So how can we create space together for me to get that, right? We're working on this together as opposed to, well, you never take her to the park. And so I never get time for myself. And this is all you, 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 right? Where I tried that technique. That doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's one no. Did try it. Was successful. Gave it a shot. (laughs) Big L. Didn't work out. (laughs) Big L. 
<laughs> so the way in which you're expressing yourself is essential, right? And if you're letting it build up for a long time, then it might be the case that it's coming out in a reactive way. So really try to bring it out at a time in which you're not feeling emotionally reactive. I want to answer this one. How does one become more assertive? And this is where we have to once again talk about that assertive and aggressive are two very different things. Aggressive is the thing you just said. Well, you never take her to the park. And so I always believe that's aggressive. Assertive is, hey, on Saturday, I'm hoping to take half the day off, you know, and you don't have to overexplain yourself. I, I really feel like I need the morning off. Are you able to plan something? You don't have to tell people what to do. Are you able to plan something outside the house so I can have a little space? I need you to plan something outside the house to have a little space, right? So here is my need and here is your part in it. Now, let's say here's where people fall back when you're, especially when you're starting to learn assertiveness skills. Somebody says to you, it's so hard to take her out of the house. I'm just using this example, right? And so then your automatic thing was, okay, well, I guess I'm not getting my needs met. And so I'm either going to back down completely or I'm in a rage or I'm going to like guilt trip. Right. It's like a few other ways this can go. And so I think when somebody then sets a barrier, you sort of feel like go back, especially if you're someone who really struggles to assert. And so then you might say, I know it's really hard. And this would feel really important to me. Mm -hmm. Is there a way to make this work? And the other thing you could do is sometimes before you have these conversations, write out what you would want to say if you weren't in your anxiety, if you weren't in your shame, if you weren't in your avoidance, whatever it is, how, what would I want to say in this? And then you could write it through chat GBT and it'll tell you the right ways. Love chat GBT. <laughs> and Ask if you're really GBT. struggling and getting in your feelings, go on to chat GBT and say, <laughs> how can I best say this in a, in a professional tone, <laughs> not professional, empathetic tone. <laughs> We should do a whole episode on yeah. ChatGPT and like how to use it therapeutically. But well, we got to figure that out first. <laughs> also, maybe not. <laughs> People also, can let probably, us know if they want that. Probably not. Um, but so, so it goes with how does one become more assertive? Practice, planning, and holding on to yourself. This is something we've talked about before. The difference of um, hard in the inside, soft in the outside as opposed to hard in the outside, soft in the inside, right? So hard in the inside is I have needs and I deserve to have them met. And I know this, I know what I need. And soft in the outside is this is important. How can we work together as a team? Okay, so you feel like I'm getting the morning off. You should get one too. All right, so let's plan the best thing to work for us all together as a system. Yes, and you're working on it together, which I think is really important, right? It's not me against you. Yes. How can we both get our needs met in different ways? How can we support each other in getting our needs met in different ways? And I think so often, too, especially as women, we are told that asking for our needs to be met or um, being assertive in, in some way is aggressive, right? You don't say that to men. You say that to women and say, like, oh, you're being aggressive, right? No. We are being assertive. We're asking for our needs to be met. And so finding a way to do that that works in your relationship is so essential. Mm -hmm. My partner loaned my mother-in-law a significant amount of money. How to not be resentful with her? Why is it her? Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Wrong person. So... (laughs) 
as opposed to saying, you phrased this question, my partner lent, not we lent our mother-in-law this So you weren't part, so like you money. didn't feel like you were part of the conversation right. decision. Right. And so it sounds like it's probably easier to be resentful with your mother-in-law than it is with your partner. Yeah. Because if you were to bring this back into your relationship and say, okay, well, what are my feelings about the fact that my partner lent this amount of money to their mother-in-law and it wasn't a mutual decision, then it's a bigger conversation in your relationship of like, is this, does this feel like betrayal, right? Like, does this feel like a conversation that we had together? And, but if you direct it towards your mother-in-law, then your resentment is going to stay. It's not going anywhere because this sounds like a conversation that you need to have within your relationship. And let's say this person saying to themselves, well, he did, well, they didn't have a choice. She guilt tripped him in, them into it. Well, wait a second. Everyone has choice. Everyone has a choice to get on a guilt trip or not. And then they, this person will say, well, um, because my mother-in-law didn't uh, use appropriate finance or, you know, have a good financial situation now we have no we have no choice but to support them well if that's the values you choose we support our family then that has to be a decision we make as a family right and there's lots of folks that support different members of their families because that's their family values and choice and if that's part of it i think that's an important thing to know with our partner my husband and I have had this conversation before. If somebody in our lives needed money, what would this look like? How would we do this? You know, who, who does this work for and who doesn't? And those are important conversations to have because things like this happen, whether you want them to or not. I think this can often happen, too, as you transition from being single to in a relationship to being married, right? Where if your partner has always lent your their mother money and then you guys get married and you're sharing finances and it was never a conversation before well now Mm -hmm. it has to be a conversation right there's a transition that happens when you are building your own nuclear family to into well how what are the boundaries that we set around our relationship what does this look like where maybe those boundaries weren't present before we were married or before we were in you know a significant partnership but now we have to talk about what those boundaries look like in the context of our relationship with our with our family what is this you know and this is where premarital counseling can come in where you're asking some of these questions that you didn't expect to have to ask, where for him, it might be like, oh, well, I've always done this. This is how it is. I'm working so that I can give money to, you know, my mother, Um, where these are important conversations and questions to ask before you get married. So to have a conversation within your relationship about what those boundaries look like and the resentment that may have built up with the lack of boundaries on his end. Dear Imogen. Whoa. I know, but, but one That's at a time. Slow. Wow. I'm sorry, my dear. I We must move on. Wow. That was, uh, <laughs> it's just we're having, you know, time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> you know what? You know, see, we were talking about tattoos and shit. Okay. Dear Imogen, my question is, I am in my mid-20s. I'm 24, living in a city post-grad with two girlfriends. My boyfriend of six plus months lives a few blocks away. 
As we get more serious, I find it's harder to balance my various girlfriend groups, including my two roommates, and having the quality time I need and desire with my boyfriend. Sometimes it feels like my roommates see my every move to a detrimental point where I feel judged on my time allotment choices. Any tips for what is a normal balance and how to not beat myself up about my personal priorities, which may differ from friends? For context, I see my boyfriend two to four times a week. Two is standard, but we may do less or more based on schedules. I usually dedicate one weekend night, Friday or Saturday, for just us, and I sleep over at his place. In my mind, this feels healthy. Thanks so much. My therapist recommended me to you, and I've been loving the slice of internet where the relationship advice is backed in evidence and science. Oh, that's very nice. Oh, that's really nice. Clearly, you like... Uh, can I just say something, my dear? Clearly, you like evidence and science because this is like a mathematical equation to, right. being, the, to being a good person that you're doing right now. Okay, I'll... I don't know if I've ever read anything so fucking intentional and overwhelming. That right? must feel very overwhelming to have to do this perfect for all these different people. This sounds hard. It sounds hard, and I also can imagine that no matter what mathematical equation you're putting in, you still probably don't feel like you're doing enough. <sighs> and let me say, when you are 24, you're living in a city postgrad with two girlfriends, that is such a hugely transitional time where people start getting into serious relationships. Some people get started, you know, into serious relationships and some people don't. And it's such a, everyone is so in so many different phases of life at once. And so the transitions are really hard for everyone. Mm -hmm. So I just want to say that just to normalize your experience. This is so normal when this happens. Yeah. Um, I think it might bear having a conversation with your roommates. That's what I'm thinking. That it might be important to say, hey, you know, I know getting in this into this relationship has really changed how much time we're spending together. That's really hard for me. Has it been hard for you? You know, I'm trying to do it to balance it as much as I can, but I know I'm not here as often as I once was. And so I just want to talk about that so that we don't build up any resentment in the house, right? Like I want to make sure that we're talking through this because I think that this so often happens. I am sure someone listening to this is experiencing or has experienced the same thing. So for you to have a very vulnerable conversation with your roommates to say, I know that this has changed. And because what they're, what is really happening is that it sounds like they're grieving the loss of the relationship that they once had with you before you were in this relationship. And the fact of the matter is that grief has to happen if this relationship is going to build. What were you going to say? I, I have to call something out, though. This person never once says their roommates actually have a problem. Oh. They said, Yes. So See, my, my every is, move to a detrimental point where I feel judged on my time allotment choices. Is there a possibility? I don't know this person. This is why I always wish we could do the call-ins, right? right we but should. I know. Is there a possibility that this is perceived and that you are feeling uncomfortable and there's not actually any tension? Or there's not the tension you think there is? And so I think that that part of that conversation is like, Okay, like what is this is my fear, right? So maybe I also have a um, core wound of abandonment. And my fear is that if my friends see me or my roommates see me this way, that I'm going to lose those relationships, right? Like, so you're like so worried. So like, I would also be interested in what's all the underneath stuff that's making you think you have to do this so perfectly and be like, just like the best possible person. Yeah. And I think you can say to them, 
hey, this is something that I'm feeling. Is this, are, are you guys this real? This way? Right. Is this real? Yeah. Or is this is just this me? My, is, is this, this my me shit? overthinking it? Yeah. Is this what's coming up for me? So like having that, that can be within the vulnerable conversation. And they might say like, no, we understand. Like, it's totally fine. I know this is, you know, we know you're in a new relationship. It's yeah. no problem. And if they say that, you know, it might be help. It might be really helpful to have that conversation. If they say like, yeah, it's really hard for us that you're no longer with us, then that's a different conversation to have. Mm -hmm. But all in all, I think making, creating an environment in which you having a very authentic, real conversation with them is really going to help with this because it sounds like right now creating this math equation of how often you are seeing people, the goal is to relinquish or let go of some of that anxiety you feel of what could happen in these relationships. But that math equation is not going to allow you to get underneath and to have these vulnerable conversations with them yeah. and to figure out what's going on. I also want to say it's typical to have ebbs and flows of stages, especially with relationships, right? It is very common that when people get in a relationship, they want to see that person a lot. But I think something that we have done probably in friendship groups, everyone's been in a friendship group where everyone's like, oh, you know, um, Sally and Alex got together and now they're always together all the time and they never hang out with us. And let everyone kind of like shits on this one person because <laughs> they got in a romantic relationship. And like sometimes that's like our own stuff or like we miss this person. Right. But I think especially if you've been on the other side of it, you're like, oh, man, I definitely don't want to be that chick. Right. So like I'll only see him one weekend a night. Right. And you also get to decide like what works for you. And if like you want to have a sleepover with your partner two nights a week and like you actually are allowed to choose that and you get to make those rules for yourself. And even if other people do not like your decisions, you can say to them, I'm really sorry. I wish there was four nights on the weekends and I could make this better. And still, I'm going to go over and stay there tonight. Yep. All right. That's our episode. That's it. Because also, I'm going to say, you could end up resentful towards both parties if you're working so hard. But right. that's my tie back into resentment. Okay. Right, right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode of Shrink Tricks. We always ask you to rate, review, subscribe, follow an Apple podcast if you enjoyed this episode and you think you have a friend that might enjoy it too. Please spread our name. Hey, check out our website. We have really cool merch. A bunch of people have been buying recently. I don't know where it's been coming from, but let's keep it going. I think it's awesome. It's really cute and it helps support this uh, wonderful program that we do. You can also check out our wonderful journal on Amazon, Know Yourself, Grow Yourself journal as well. You can follow us at Trick Chicks on Instagram or the therapy group. If you are looking for a clinician that you think that you would grow and heal with, we'd love to help you try to find someone. So you can check out the therapygroup.com. We can hook you up with a clinician. Thank you for being here today. And don't forget that to grow yourself, you got to know yourself. We'll see you next week. Bye.